0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we bring you Judgment Day, followed by Judgment Night. If there's a Judgment morning, we could have a triple feature, but there ain't. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
1: So wh- what are you doing since there's no like, sports to watch? Like When is hockey uh, season? I don't even know when hockey season is.
2: When is it? It's yeah. supposed to be happening right now.
1: Okay. So there's we should, no
2: we should be in playoffs actually.
1: So there's no hockey, so what do you what are you doing instead?
2: I I haven't figured that out yet. During the uh during the pandemic, Canadians have invented the concept of driveway beers. Have you heard of this? Where we just walk to each other's house and we stand like the other guy comes out out his front door and we yell to back and forth to each other and we drink a beer. <laughs> no. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> You guys don't have driveway beers there? <laughs> Is no. that only a Canadian
1: thing? <laughs> uh, I mean, not that I've heard of, but uh, so you're,
2: you're, apparently
1: you're, we do a thing where if it's somebody's birthday, you, and... you just drive by and honk your horn and stand outside your car and wave at them.
2: Oh, yeah. That's about it. Yeah, it was my son's friend's birthday not too long ago, so I, like...
1: <laughs> Did you, you go to his, his house and stay in the driveway, choice. drink a beer, and yell at him?
2: <laughs> no. That would have been awesome. but we brought like brought over like an ice cream sandwich for the kid and then it was like I put it in like a plastic bag and like walked up and knocked on the door and set the bag down and then we stood back on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's so awkward.
1: <laughs> then he pulls it out and it's all melted. Gross. Yeah. So No, we don't have driveway
2: boots. Yeah, no. Yeah, maybe we should though. As long as you stay you stay a safe distance apart. You, uh, you're technically not breaking any rules. So you, you just the only problem is you limit limited because you can't go inside to use your friend's washroom. So, <laughs> mildly problematic when you're drinking beers.
1: Just pee in the yard.
2: <sighs> well, I try not to pee in people's front yards if I can avoid it.
1: Oh no! See, a friend of mine rented a house, and he had this bush like in the, on the front of his house next to his garage. Every time <laughs> okay. he had a party, me and another friend of mine would make it our goal to try to kill that bush by, the, by at some point, and we would just pee on it exclusively. Still living, though, it's a hard That
2: bush, sounds apparently. like a, it's a, it's a young man's game, though. Like <laughs> you, you, get, you get up to a certain age, and it's pretty embarrassing if the cops come to bus, <laughs> at the party and you're outside peeing on a bush. Eh. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I Never thought about that. So, uh, <laughs> in your twenties, you just do whatever. You just yeah,
2: it doesn't matter. And if if the cops came and like gave you a ticket for peeing in your friend's front yard, I'm I'm sure there's no serious jail time for that. So it's just a funny story. Yeah. But once you get a job with like an office, then it you can't really get arrested <laughs> for things like that anymore. It's frowned upon.
1: <laughs> My cousin got a ticket for for being drunk, like in public. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's one of those where he was drunk and he like got pissed at somebody and like ran away from his friends for some reason. Yeah, and then later the police saw him out and about just being like ridiculous. So yeah. they pull up and he just like puts his back up against the wall and closes his eyes. <laughs> And I think he thought if he just, if he couldn't see him, then they couldn't see him. So he was trying to be invisible. So he got, he got a ticket.
2: So that's, that didn't work?
1: No, surprisingly.
2: I remember like a long, long time ago, I got picked up. I was like 19. I got picked up for being drunk in public and the cops were like, we, you're, you can't be out, your need. This, won't, this isn't safe and uh, then like my friends showed up to pick me up and the cops were like you know, no one called them, they just thought to come here, that's a bit of an issue
3: and I'm like, that's, that's not a good sign
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I never I don't know, I never got a uh, drinking ticket I was at a party a couple times and, like, I was living with this guy, and he would throw parties all the time. And so the police would show up and basically just be like, look, you just need to need to be quiet. And we'd be like, okay, and that would be the last time we'd see him. Like, they never came in to check IDs. We had my, a couple of my yeah. friend's cousins over, and they were both in high school, and they were drinking. So we totally could have got busted, but I don't know. Apparently we found some like cops on a good day. I feel like it was different back then.
2: Because nowadays it feels like they would come in and clamp down, because it's an easy way for them to pad their stats is by giving out a few mm-hmm. extra tickets. But back yeah. right then they were just like, if you're not hurting anybody, they would just. I remember like quite often, days there'd be cops outside the bar at night. They'd come out, and if you were like too drunk, they would just drive you home, just so that they wouldn't have to deal with you being a problem later. And <laughs> I thought that was great, but I just don't imagine it happening in today's world. Yeah for some reason I used to watch uh, this show called Campus PD and it was like 90% just cops giving tickets to underage drinkers and uh, oh, yeah. other college students were getting into other like minimal amounts of trouble like that and it was just every time I'd watch it I'd end up mad about society I don't know why I kept watching it I'd be like why are the cops harassing these kids they're just drunk trying to go home like they're, they're in college why aren't they allowed to just be drunk at a party on a Saturday night and go home after it <laughs> Then I'd watch it again later
1: Oh see when I watched it I was always like man those kids Are douchebags because they were always trying to Argue with the police It's just like you can't come in here You well, can't come in here and tell me what to do And I'm like well that's That's not really how that works but
2: Well yeah there There was always those ones that are like They think they know their rights, but they don't quite know their rights. Mm -hmm. And they're like, You can't come in here and a few times you just hear the cops go, Have you ever heard of probable cause? Like, I can see in your door when you opened it. There's clearly underage drinkers in there. Like I can come in if I want now. (laughs) So you might want to cooperate.
1: Yeah, those are always those are always the best. Like, yeah, I'm in college. I'm a pre law. I know stuff. And the cops would be like, No, you don't know shit. Maybe you need to go back to college.
2: See, I live in a in a college town, so there's a, I have to constantly like remind myself not to turn into that grumpy old man that complains about the young kids that are out partying all the time because <laughs> a lot of people around here are that guy. And whenever they do it, I'm like, just leave the kids alone. They're just having fun. They're just doing the same stuff we used to do at that age. Uh-huh. And then I have to remind myself, like, the next time you're trying to drive down a street and you can't because there's too big of a party going on, you're like, oh, I'm not allowed to get upset about this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, see, I'm the other way. I turned 25, and I was like... Why are these kids being so fucking loud and so fucking <laughs> stupid? What <are laughs> a bunch of idiots!
2: Yeah, why well, don't they go home and watch shitty horror movies and then chat with their friends about it <laughs> until the endless <laughs> yeah, hours? Exactly. Like, like rational adults. <laughs> like real people.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> we were. We had. We had our favorite bar, which, of course, uh, ended up getting sold and then closed because yeah, that's yeah. how the world works. But one time yeah. we were there, and the University of Illinois was in some sort of championship uh, sports ball uh, tournament of some sort that I, of course, did not follow. And so the place was like packed and it was just annoying. And we were just like, ugh, because we had like a regular table that we sat at. And of course, that table was taken. So I'm yeah. like, I fucking hate all these kids that are in here that are like, college age and so they were all yelling and stuff and we're just sitting around like miserable the whole the whole time and i'm just like god damn it um and then some guy comes up to our table and just starts yelling ili I," which he wasn't even spelling Illini right and i'm just like dude no and he's like i don't think there's some Illini fans over here and i'm like we're fans of uh people just being quiet And he looked at me and was just dumbfounded in his drunken state. And then his friend came up and he's like, Dude, it's not a comic book. They don't care. And then they walked away. My other friend just turned to me and was like, How did they know? It's like, yeah, we stick out like a sore thumb in this place. That's why.
2: I've always said that there's when it comes to being a geek, there's two types. There's the ones that (laughs) the ones that can't and i'm i'm one of the ones that can't i'll tell you that like (laughs) people know me from a while from a while away they're like yeah Mm. so you know oh that's life
1: so you're saying people know you from a long time ago so you'd say they're like old friends of yours even though you now have a kid do they ever want to go to a boxing match with you?
2: Nobody goes to boxing matches. I <laughs> don't even understand how boxing is still a sport. I really don't either. However, I do appreciate your excellent transition. Uh, yeah, and that was always a dream of mine when I was a uh, when I was like young. My my parents had. Um, a motorhome and that would all my friends would always be like one night man we just got to take that thing and head downtown with it it's gonna be so much fun we could be like sitting drinking in it then we could all just sleep in it and drive home the next day it'll be fine <laughs> like, <laughs> like i don't think my parents that's the motorhome to go downtown guys like <laughs> i just don't see it happening hey, if we were mom. going camping they might lend
1: it yes yeah. mom dad can we, can we borrow the motorhome they're like oh are you going camping for the weekend no me and my buddies want to go downtown and just park it and then drink that doesn't sound like a very responsible use of a motorhome. <laughs>
2: <sighs> yeah, but it was because of Judgment Night. That's why we wanted to do it. Exactly. We would always call for one day. We're going to Judgment Night, like, that thing.
1: Which, I don't know. We'll, so, we'll, I guess what we're do, that's but, what you're
2: trying to transition to.
1: <laughs> yeah, that totally was. Even though in my head, I was like, we should do one of the Judgment Days first, then Judgment Night, and then the other Judgment Day, because this is going to be a weird triple feature. <laughs> Basically out of necessity.
2: Yep, yep, it is.
1: But fuck it, let's just start with Judgment Night. Uh, 1993, Billy west apparently is a very put-upon husband because as he tells his wife as he's leaving, and she's very not happy about it, I've been cooped up in this house for three months as she holds their three-month-year-old baby, yep. so maybe, maybe, you know she pushed a human being out of her and has also been cooped up for three months, but Hey, whatever. He's Emilio. <laughs> so him and his, his buddy, Cuba Gooding Jr. And their other buddy, uh, Jeremy Piven. And then Emilio's little brother, uh, Steven Dorff are going to go to a boxing match in downtown Chicago. Cause
2: I like you how you apparently that's read that cast list and, And not, you shouldn't, you should not have even mentioned that it was from 1993. We should have made the listeners guess based on that cast list. (laughs)
1: It's
2: amazing.
1: Oh yeah. Early nineties. That's what that's from. (laughs) Uh, So they're going to go to a boxing match, but Jeremy Piven shows up in this like tricked out, like a motor home, but it's more of like a party bus type thing. It's all swanky inside and. Yeah, so apparently he conned some uh, dealership guy into letting him take it for a night, which in the 90s, I'd never heard of anything like that, but it's Jeremy Piven, so I don't know, maybe.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard of being allowed to test drive a vehicle, but I've never heard of being allowed to take it overnight.
1: Yeah. And And so their goal is we're going to go to the boxing match and later on when we see Emilio Estevez's uh, driver's license He apparently lives in Evanston And the boxing match is in downtown Chicago Which on a good day is probably like a half hour drive So okay. is it really worth getting this like swanky RV To then drive it downtown and park it So you can go into the boxing match
2: And I guess if you can get it for free It'd be kind of fun if you, haven't, if you haven't been, out with it, like, if the group of guys hasn't gone and done something in three months, maybe just, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, it just, it seems, it seems way over the top, but I guess without it, we don't have a movie, so, but it's just a weird, a weird thing. Oh, actually, you know, the movie could, the weird, movie weird could thing. just totally happen without it. it. Yeah, totally. Sorry. But it's a weird thing just watching it as, as when I was younger and not really having an issue with it. Be like, oh, that thing's awesome. And now as an adult, I'm just like, oh, my God, that seems like a huge pain in the ass to even drive that thing in, in Chicago traffic, let alone where are they going to park it? Do you know how expensive it's going to be to park this thing downtown? Oh, my God. Just take someone's car. But, you know. Yeah. Um, so, of course, gridlock traffic, they decide, or Jeremy Piven, I guess, decides... Alright, fuck this. I'm I'm just gonna take this random random exit and then we're gonna we're gonna drive around the interstate and then get back on, which I don't know how that helps, but whatever. Uh so of course they get off. Turns out they're in like Mad Max like wasteland on the side of Chicago. Which apparently existed in nineteen ninety three. Um, So they get lost. They end up uh, hitting somebody. And so when they get out to check, they find out, oh, this guy has also been shot. And this guy says there's people after him. He has a bunch of money in his waistband. And then Dennis Leary and his two thugs, one of them played by Everlast, shows up, pulls the dude out, shoots him in the head. And then is like, well, now we got to kill these guys because they saw the whole thing. And uh, yeah. They end up blowing up the uh, the RV, and now our, our <laughs> cast of heroes is stuck traversing around this wasteland of a city trying to get away from Dennis Leary and encountering a bunch of uh, very odd people. So, yep. I'm assuming you were a fan of this movie when you were younger?
2: Oh, yeah. How could you not be? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. Uh, I mean... Yeah, like with, with, again, with that cast and with just this ridiculous plot and all this other stuff, I'm like, yeah, as a kid, I I very much enjoyed this movie.
1: Yeah, me and my I friend. Did the Same way. Me and my friend rented it like a billion times until we finally just, you know, when videotapes became more readily available, just bought a copy of it. And then okay. watched that until that ran out. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: So how long has it been since you saw it?
1: Oh, it's been probably at least 15 years. Like, I watched it like a billion God. times, and then I was like, well, I pretty much know that by heart. Probably don't need to watch that for a while. And then, like I said, all I was right, into a podcast, so, and they were talking about it. So I'm like, oh, i don't watch that in 15 years. I need to watch it again.
2: All right, so now it's the big question. How, how does it hold up?
1: Uh... <laughs> Realistically, not great, but <laughs> nostalgically, I still love it. So I don't, it's like, I don't care. I'm sure if, if I showed this to somebody who had never seen it before, they'd be like, what? what? This is, this is stupid. Why don't they just pull out their cell phone and call the police? You have to be like, it was 1993. Wow. Nobody had a cell phone except for Jeremy Piven. And you had really shitty re- reception until we found out he was lying and never called the police in the first place.
2: Yeah. I mean, the nostalgia factor in that first half of the film is huge. It this mm. movie is so early '90s, and they're all just like when they're all partying in that thing and watching it, and it's so just flat out cheesy. Watching Emilio Estevez pretend that he's like this put upon guy that his little brother and him can't get along. And
3: <laughs>
2: I loved it, but I I can. I can't imagine what it would be like for someone to watch it now for the first time, <laughs> especially if you had no connection to all of these actors. Cause it's like all of these guys were in stuff. I liked at the time, like mm-hmm. literally everybody.
1: Yeah. I think this was my introduction to Steven Dorf. And then I was like, Oh, the bad guy from blade. He was from judgment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Okay, so all that stuff.
1: <laughs> I was going to say it was pretty funny. Cause I remember at the time, Like, being really impressed with this RV, strictly because it had a Nintendo in it. I'm just (laughs) like, could you imagine? You're just driving around, and you're just sitting in the back playing Nintendo? That's amazing. Rich people are awesome. Now you look at it, and you're like, that's ridiculous.
2: It's, like, the whole thing is hilarious, because it's such a product of its time that, like... Like, having a satellite TV is impressive, and it's like, well, everybody can watch Netflix on their phone now. It's like, just get out of plan, and you're good. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, now all those guys would have been watching different things. They wouldn't have had to watch all on the same (laughs) TV. And it made me laugh when they referred to the TV in that RV as big screen. (laughs) And I'm like, No. I wouldn't. I would not put a screen that small in my bathroom if I needed one. Like it's, <laughs> it's just weird how TVs have changed so much in the last few years.
1: Well, that's funny because like we mentioned now, like they live maybe a half hour, forty five minutes away from wherever this fight is taking place, yeah. and it seems like even nowadays, Emilio Estevez would be like, "Nah, let's not go. Why don't you guys just come over and we'll watch it on my like eighty inch." Flat screen TV up on my wall. It'd yep. be a much better way to do this.
2: Yeah. Or we'll just Uber, Uber. it if everybody still wants to drink on the drive down. Oh, it's yeah. not too big a deal, Like, <laughs> <sighs> uh,
1: So Yeah, so you just have yeah, to be I mean, in the 90s it, a ninety state of mind to itself. go with it.
2: But okay, so the movie kinda takes place in in three acts though, right? So mm. the first one is this ridiculous 90s love fest that I'm. I think I only like because it reminds me of the time and you know.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: But but once once it starts, so basically when the RV blows up, it becomes a very different movie, and I think a lot of that tension kind of worked mm-hmm. in that second act where they're yeah. running around and they had that that scene where like Dennis Leary is um, like they're hiding in the train and Dennis Leary's outside, like calling to them and reading off like the guy's name from his card and stuff. And then they end up like hiding in that apartment and they got to get across that roof. Like a lot of that stuff for me, I thought was really good. I think Dennis Leary is like a great bad guy. I don't know why he didn't get to do this more in the
1: nineties. Oh, I was going to mention like when I think of Dennis Leary, this is exactly what I think of. It just automatically goes to judgment night. He was so fantastic in this.
2: Oh, he's, he's great. He was good in uh, Demolition Man, too, which I haven't seen in a while.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm still upset that it's not on our list of things to review for this podcast, because it just should oh. be. Um, but it's like, like he's good in that. I don't know why he didn't do this more. I guess he just did a lot of other things, and who knows, but.
1: Did you ever see uh, Suicide Kings? No. Oh. Uh. See, we should add, We should watch that. Sort of a late right. 90s Quentin uh, Tarantino ripoff, but it's actually pretty good.
2: Um, okay. I remember it coming out, and I remember wanting yeah. to see it, and I, I didn't.
1: Yeah, Christopher Walken plays a mob boss, and they kidnap him because they need uh, they need something. I don't remember what the MacGuffin is. And only, only he can make it happen, so they kidnap him, and then Dennis Leary is sort of like his... His right-hand man so he's trying to figure out where he goes like where, where he went so he can go get him and there's this great scene where i don't even remember why they're there but he has to go to this apartment building to talk to this guy and he goes into this other apartment and apparently this guy is like beating up on his wife or his girlfriend or something and so you know dennis leary kind of tells him like you know hey keep your hands to yourself from now on or i'll come back and beat the shit out of you or you know something And when he turns around, the guy says something to him like, you know, fuck you or something. So Dennis Leary just calmly turns around and sits down in front of him and starts this great monologue about how his dad used to beat up his mom. And as he's telling it, he eventually just calmly gets up, goes to the kitchen, telling him the story about how he then had to beat up his dad and he grabs a toaster and just beats the fuck out of the guy with it. It's such an awesome, awesome scene. So, yeah, I'll we'll have to add Suicide Squad to, or Suicide Kings to the list. Right. Yeah, more Dennis Larry bad guy. Yeah. It. Uh, um,
2: yeah. So, yeah, so that whole second act, though, I think I think holds up really well. Mm. Um, I think a lot of the, the tension works, even when they're, like, it's so cheesy that they're crawling or. Across that ladder from one building to the next. And then yeah. Jeremy Piven refuses to do it. And he thinks he's going to negotiate his way out and stuff. And like, it's like, it's objectively cheesy,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but in an action movie way, I think the tension is there and it works. Uh, the third act. So we get that heel turn by Cuba juniors character, <laughs> which was just so abrupt. Um, it was just so weird the way his character just completely changed and, and just, like, was threatening to beat up his friends and stuff and wanted to, like, all of a sudden go back and kill the other guys. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? Like,
1: yeah, he strange He spends thing. the whole movie in this weird, macho, like, bullshit-type stuff, which were then led to believe that Emilio actually used to be somewhat like this, which is kind of yeah. weird, because if you look at him, you don't really...
2: Because we'll he's that. Emilio Estevez. Yeah. No, he's Emilio Estevez. Like it, like it makes sense that he would be like the not so tough guy that spends his time yeah. at home with his wife and kid. Like that's who Emilio Estevez comes across as, especially yeah. this area of Emilio, right?
1: Yeah, and they may they make it seem like he's only been sort of uh, more the family man the last like two years because I think they said they got married like two years ago or something.
2: Something like that. Yeah so yeah, yeah that, it's
1: it's kind of weird but whatever
2: I just, yeah, I just thought all that stuff was under, underdeveloped if, the, yeah. if that's a way to say it like it, it maybe it would have been better if these guys were like old army friends been mm-hmm. through some shit together and you know when they got back one of them was more able to put it behind them than the others and now was bringing it back out but they never get into any of that so it's sort of yeah. weird when they're like Oh why aren't you the tough guy you used to be And it's like he's just he just looks like this 30 year old, 30 year old suburban dad Like I don't yeah. get the impression Emilio Estes was ever a tough guy
1: Yeah and then like when shit starts Going down and he has To like you know toughen up It's it, He's still like that's the Frank I used to know And I'm like he seems exactly the Same so I don't know what this yeah, I know. Frank you're talking about
2: yeah, it's it's not very well done mm. and it's problematic
1: yeah so yeah fra- so yeah Kuba is talking about how yeah he's got this macho bullshit almost gets in a fight with the guy on the expressway well I guess technically he's trying to like push this off onto Steven Dorf, who is Emilio's brother so he's trying to like you know instill that in him because he's the younger one of the group so he almost gets in a fight on the expressway and Kuba has to go out and like, I don't even know if defuse the situation is right, but like Emilio pulls him off and then Koopa steps in, like, you know, grabs the guy's arm. just like, oh, come on, man, don't do it. Just take your girlfriend home or I'll take her home. You know, just that fucking macho bullshit. Yeah. So then later, yes. yeah, he he's getting this whole like, nah, we're going to, we're going to kill him. We're going to do this everybody's like you we just need to run it's like this is ridiculous
2: yeah and the thing is i guess maybe the difference between like when i watched this when i was 13 i was probably like yeah go back and kill all the bad guys like commando would have done or rambo would have done but now as an adult i'm like no you get the fuck out of there like you and like the one guy that they do kill okay you you kind of had to do that i get that that's self-defense now you get back to running like it's (laughs) you know And it's just weird to see him. And I think it's more just how abrupt the turn is than anything else. Mm -hmm. I I think if you're like, I would go with this attitude in an action movie, if it had been, uh, I don't know, less jaw dropping and more just a casual turn. If he'd been more like this earlier.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Cuba. Yeah. Cuba does a weird, a weird turn. Which is funny because then then Emilio's brother is trying to like sort of live up to this whole thing the entire movie. He's always, he always seems like he's on Kuba's side. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. And then once he has like a real chance to do something, he obviously like, oh, this is, this is not what I want. So then he like falls more to Emilio's side.
2: It's weird. Like the messaging is a bit confusing because it feels like the whole movie is about Emilio Estes kind of. Like regaining his manhood and coming back out and becoming a tough guy again, mm-hmm. but it's also about his little brother learning not to be a tough guy and to just not <laughs> get into fights. And I'm like, I oh, think the
1: both. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, and then yeah, like Cuba like shoots that guy, and then he tries to like be tough, like in the big final showdown, and then he ends up getting shot. And then he seems to realize like, "Oh shit, this wasn't the way to do it,
2: yeah, as soon as you get shot if you do it this way, and that's unpleasant,
1: <laughs> yeah, so then it all culminates into Emilio Estevez and Dennis Leary like having a weird fight like in a department store, yeah,
2: like a, it was it a department store or a grocery store that are like I didn't understand exactly okay. what that store was." <laughs> I know I know the movie suffers because they are in there for way too long. Like, it starts with them just breaking that window, thinking, well, the cops will come if the alarm goes off, which is good logic, good way to get out of the situation. But then they're in there for, like, 20-some minutes, I think, at the end of this movie. And I'm like, no, this is a 10-minute climax, not a 25-minute climax. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's a bunch and of weird, like, turns, like, because they're like, oh, if the alarm's going off, the police will come. And then they're standing there. then, like, two security guards show up, and they're like, whew, well, that's the end of that. And then, of course, Dennis Leary and the other guy show up and kill the two security guards, and they're like, fuck. Now what do we do?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And then you get that fight between Emilio and Dennis Leary, and you're just like, I don't know, maybe this is why you guys aren't in so many action movies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah
2: I just don't I don't really feel like either of those guys are meant for hand-to-hand combat
1: no the <laughs> funny thing is they like gra- they like sort of like grapple like professional wrestlers where they like grapple at yeah. the beginning of a match and then just do that and then throw each other into a bunch of shelves of stuff that's pretty much the extent of their fight
2: yeah it wasn't uh, yeah just, it just wasn't a great fight and I think that's a, I don't know who that's on like I don't know If you need actors that, if you need better actors to fight, or if there's a way to shoot it better, but somebody should have edited that down because if you're gonna have those two fighting, it shouldn't take that long. It was weird.
1: Yeah, it seems like the director was like, "Well, no, we need to keep this more of like a realistic fight." Like Amelia's not gonna hop up and start doing karate or something, which I get, but then like, I don't know. It was kind an of exciting. Of,
2: like, have you ever been out in public and a real fight breaks out? They're not that much fun to
1: <laughs> No.
2: Like, it's, you know what I mean? Not that, it, not that it happens a lot, but it's just one of those things where you're just like, I don't, I don't feel like very many people know how to fight. No. I certainly don't. I wouldn't try.
1: <laughs> and, if, and if people do know how to fight, it's only one guy. And so he just, like, punches the guy once and then it's over with
2: exactly. It's weird though cuz this director came like his film before this I think. Or I don't know if it's right before this but he did Predator 2.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? And so you would think that he would know how to do all the action stuff really well cuz that movie's certainly chock full of it. Yeah. But it it doesn't seem it seems to be the parts where he falls where he falls down like he was better at the sort of the chase elements of it.
1: Which I guess, if you really think about it, Predator Two is more I would think along the line of that too, like I feel like the Danny Glover's character is more reactionary than uh than like Schwarzenegger in the first one, of course.
2: I guess there's an element of truth but... yeah, so and that is quite a long chase scene at the end when the when they're fighting and going back and forth,
1: yeah, yeah I don't know, like yeah, of all the action. I do believe the uh, the end fight is probably the worst part, and that's not even like, it, that's not even like slamming it, really. It's just like, yeah, that could have been better. But I feel like the tension of everything leading up to that is uh, pretty fantastic.
2: yeah. So it's kind of weird because it's kind of like when a movie doesn't end well, it leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth. but I'd go back and watch the first, you know hour and some of this movie again, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's my fast forward a little through some of that ending part, which is the part that you would think is the most important.
1: Uh, and then at some point during the chase, Dennis Leary got a hold of Emilio's driver's license. And so Emilio's character's name is Frank, but his driver's license of course has his full name, which is Francis. And I just love yeah. how Dennis Leary just keeps calling him Francis the whole time
2: oh <laughs> uh, yeah uh, again when Dennis Leary is speaking he's great like yeah. all of it, it's yeah it's I, I really his it performance it's just not just the, just the fight is my only criticism of it yeah. it's really a, my only criticism of any of the um, acting in the movie most of it is really good
1: hmm. yeah I would definitely agree with that It's kind
3: of
2: weird Like I don't know whether I don't know whether I recommend this movie or not Mm -hmm. Are we allowed to recommend people watch Like the first hour and a half of a movie And then hit stop
1: (laughs) Uh, You could I guess Just watch the first hour and a half And then fast forward until you see uh, Abilio Estevez uh, Just let Dennis Leary fall from the second floor Yeah Then you're good
2: Oh, was the other. Yeah, oh, I forgot about that. That that fall did not look like a fall that would kill a guy. Like it would hurt a lot, but yeah. I didn't think he'd die from that. He only falls like one story.
1: Well, I think <laughs> we're supposed to assume because it looked like he fell into a stairwell. So I think he was supposed to have fallen at least like two floors and then landed <laughs> on stairs. But I don't know. I don't know. Not very exact in my book either. <laughs> when I watched it, I'm just like. <laughs> I'm like, oh, did I forget this has like a little scene at the end when he thinks he's dead, but then he pops back up at the last second? Turns out, no.
2: <laughs> it's kind of expecting it to. Every <laughs> other movie in that era did. I was <laughs> trying to differentiate itself so it age well. Didn't know about the Winnebago stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had fun watching it, but yeah, it's definitely. Definitely a product of its time. I'm sure if we showed it to like a 13 year old today, they'd be like, "This seems really dumb. Why are people doing all this shit?" And you'd be like, "Yeah, I know, but come on, look, the at, thing the, look is, at the like, RV."
2: The the idea of like if you were going to, and and maybe that's just some of the little changes they could have made with this. Like if that event was out of town and they were dropping like. Three or four hours to an event, mm-hmm. and they, you know, we're going to sleep in the RV that night, and then bring it back the next day. That would make for a more interesting plot, and it would seem like a fun idea. Like I could see me and my friends yeah. wanting to do that. Um, that more so than the
3: idea of we're going a half an hour away. Let's get a giant RV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
2: And why did the RV have a speaker system? I don't think that's normal for
1: those. No, that is also very weird. <laughs> and I love how Cuba Gooding Jr.'s uh, thought process was like, "Well, we're lost, so maybe we should use this uh, use this uh, speaker system to make fun of the homeless people that are just hanging out on the street."
2: Yeah. And somehow hoping that that will get them directions. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> I mean, that would have been the other option. Would have been to get out and find a normal looking for her And just say, can you just tell me the back, way back to the freeway? That probably would have solved a lot of the problems. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even just like, here, here's a $100 bill. Can you tell me how to get back to the f- freeway?
2: Yeah. So yeah, how about that? How you-
1: yeah, totally. I w- totally would totally... well. Let you know how to get back to the freeway. But, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 fun to, to relive it, but, but, yeah. Rewatching it, it's like, well, a lot of these problems could be fixed very easily. So, I don't understand what the fuck's going on.
2: Yeah. And then there's, like, other little, like, logic leaps. Like, Jeremy Piven brings a gun with him on this trip to the boxing match that's a half an hour away from home. Hey, man, and you're shit like, happens. Oh. But does it though? Like I don't. Again, like because in my head, I sometimes I just go, "Ah, oh, fucking Americans!" Like of course, you leave the house, you got to get your gun, <laughs> right? Like,
1: well, but funny I
2: don't know. That that seemed ridiculous to me.
1: The funny thing is, I would uh, in my head, he's he's one of those yuppie assholes that pretty much brings a gun with him because he thinks every time he drives that this scenario is exactly what's going to happen to him. (laughs) So maybe it turns out this time he was right, but the hundred million times he's been driving in town. He's probably had his gun on him for no reason because he doesn't want poor people coming up to him at a stoplight. Oh, they might wash his
2: windshield. It's not his fault.
1: Really? (laughs) (sighs) Um, all right. Anything else about judgment night?
2: No. Sure, I'll remember something later. I'll just yell it in the middle of our discussion. Sure. One of the other movies. That's yeah. that's how organized we are this week. Sure. You know what we should do before we move on to the next movie? Sure. We should remind. We should let the listeners know that Noah's not going to make it this week, in case they haven't figured it out right. yet. We forgot to bring that up.
1: Yeah, he said something about going <laughs> to a boxing match with some friends. So I'm sure everything worked out. But...
2: Yeah. It's probably all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess we should mention that.
2: We should have made that joke at the beginning of our
1: discussion. (laughs) That could have been our transition, damn it. I'll just edit it out from here and put it at the beginning. It'll be fine.
2: Yeah, sure you
1: will. (laughs) I'll totally remember. Uh, And the funny thing is, he's not here, and we actually are reviewing three movies this week, simply because... (laughs) We had teamed it up with a movie called Judgment Day. Turns out there's like five movies called Judgment Day. And you couldn't find one of the one we were actually supposed to watch. I
2: could not. I could find so many other movies called Judgment Day.
1: So I'm I like, even typed in it, Judgment Day one.
2: 1999. Do you know there's two movies called Judgment Day that came out in 1999? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then there was one from 93. And I'm like, maybe that's the one we meant to team it up with because it's from 93.
1: It's funny, like oh we'll get to it when I get to mine, but it's it's even more ridiculous, so uh Well then why don't you tell us about the Judgment Day that you watched from nineteen
2: ninety eight or nineteen eighty eight. From nineteen eighty eight, yeah. Uh so Judgment Day eighty eight is about uh it's two American backpackers. Uh somewhere in South America I'm not 100% sure let's let's call it Mexico but I'm not really sure if it's supposed to be Mexico or some other South American town. Yeah. Uh, the bus they're on breaks down so they some creepy old lady tells them how to get to a little town. They're warned not to go there it's a dangerous town they decide to go anyway um, the town has some weird religiously sounding name Santa Ana or something like that um, but they get there and everybody's planning to leave town that night and there's this, they're told it's like an old uh, like an old superstition that the guy that like founded the town he uh, struck a deal with the devil to like save the town from a plague that was coming through but in exchange the devil got like the town's soul but he tricked the devil by saying it was only for like the night that he signed the contract So now, every year on that night, the devil takes control and will take the souls of anyone who's there. So everybody just leaves town for 24 hours, which is kind of a funny, like when you think about it, it's sort of a funny setup that, like, the whole town just leaves and then just comes back the next day. And that's how they beat the devil. Um,
1: Which is funny. I, I wonder if he like pops up and he's just like, what? Hey. And then just sits around and mopes for the rest of the night.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, the devil brings with him his uh, his legions. We'll get to those guys because they're awesome. Um, so, yeah, through a series of unfortunate events, these guys end up stuck in the town at, at uh, sundown when they're supposed to be gone by. Um, they are chased by these weird demon looking guys that kind of look like cool vampires but i'm not really sure what they're supposed to be and uh they're taken in to a home by it's i want to say they're taken in by like one of the townsfolk and later they realize that things might not be as they seem but it's so obvious that this guy is the ghost of the guy that signed the contract with (laughs) the devil that there's no point in covering it up and of course they get in there And he invites them to to stay the night And he he has a daughter And one of them gets to sleep with the daughter And all this stuff And things things start to get weird when you realize he has like slaves And they're like, but there haven't been slaves for years Oh Um, Well, you know Yada 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 Uh, The thing is that that guy is played by The the ghost guy is played by Cesar Romero
3: Oh, okay
2: He's fantastic He's like, I don't know that I've seen him in much Besides Batman He's really good in this.
1: I didn't even think I would recognize him without the Joker makeup
2: on. I didn't think I would either, but he still had the mustache. <laughs> and it's because this is like twenty years after Batman; it's just naturally white. It's not painted white. <laughs> so nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, like basically, mayhem ensues. We get this, like this. The B plot is like this bartender that these guys befriended earlier. Is his daughter is lost, so he's running around town looking for her when all this stuff hits um, eventually we get to see like Satan in all of his glory performing like some weird ritual because to like take the soul of that bartender guy that he's caught we have a number of encounters between the two friends and the like weird demon guys that are running around and it is like super fun 80s horror movie magic it's great. Um, I just I was like I had to watch it on YouTube because it was the only way I could find it. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I had like a cleaner, better copy so I could have seen the, the special effects and the makeup better. Because it was so fun to watch. Like the devil looked great. The demon guys look great. It's like the weird cheesy eighties things where there's like these big scary demon guys, but then when they get in a fight with these like 25 year old American tourists. They're like just just fighting like like something on of Judgment Night, uh, um, <laughs> and yeah, and it has a super fun ending. Which like I think I'll spoil it because, um, basically, I don't see how I don't think anyone's gonna watch this except me. So <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna spoil it. <laughs> but uh, so the the night comes to an end, and the one guy makes it out of town. And the other guy doesn't, right? So he's trapped in there. Mm-hmm. So fast forward one year later, and the the guy that made it out of town has taken over the bar that was being run by the other guy they befriended. And he's—it's a little weird because he's like just watching that guy's daughter, and I'm like, does nobody ask him questions about that? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, all right. And so it's a year later, and so like we get. Um, a private investigator type guy comes to town looking for the one, the guy that's missing. And this this guy goes, "Don't worry, I've got it all figured out. I got this great plan, and I'm going to. Uh, you you want that guy back? I'll have him back for you tomorrow." And you think like, "Okay, we're gonna get like an '80s action sequence ending, where this guy goes in and saves the day last minute, and his buddy who was stuck in hell is now back." and it's like no as soon as he gets into the, the other like dimension or whatever you want to call it with all the Satan guys they just immediately grab him they've basically been waiting for him and he's screwed and that's your ending is him being like dragged off and it's great it's super fun <laughs> so this is a huge recommend you should have watched this instead of the movie you watched yeah, it does not fit like our our theme for the week at all, except for the fact that it's one of the thousands of movies named this. Yeah.
1: The next movie doesn't really fit our theme either, other than it's named judgment (laughs) days. Okay. (laughs) (sighs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, honestly, like, I think you'd really enjoy this movie. I know Noah would. Um, Mm. It's just, it's, it's brilliant. 80s horror. And I don't know why I've never seen it before. I'm kind of upset with myself.
1: I feel like this is one of those movies that I'm I'm going to say yeah I'm totally going to watch this but then I'll forget about it as soon as we get done recording and probably never watch yeah. it which is unfortunate
2: I should, I should send you a picture of the devil from this movie and then you would totally want to watch it if I did that yeah
1: it's possible
2: <laughs> because it, he looks awesome but uh, yeah I mean it's a yeah. big recommend for 80s horror fans
1: nice um, well, I also watched a movie called Judgment Day yeah, from 1999.
2: The names, uh, the names are spelled different. Mine was like Judgment with an E in the middle of it, yours is no E. So that's how we oh, can really? differentiate them. <laughs> yeah, it's weird.
1: Oh, I didn't even notice. Maybe the reason I didn't notice is because when I typed in Judgment Day on... Amazon prime movie showed up, said, Oh, it was about like a meteor hitting the earth. That's totally the one that I was going to be watching. So I start watching it and I'm like, ice teas in this, uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. And then I get about half an hour in and I'm like, where the fuck is ice tea? Why is iced tea not in this movie? So then I pull up like, cause I'm watching on my TV. And if you like hit the info button, it'll have like the cast list and like all that stuff. And I'm looking at Ice-T's not on it. And I'm like, what the fuck? But but this is the movie. I thought Ice-T was in it. So then I went back and looked. And yeah, this was a 2010 movie with pretty much the same identical plot than the the one with Ice-T in it from 99. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. So I stopped that one. Although maybe I should have kept going and just could have reviewed four movies.
2: Uh, if you'd give me a heads up I could have watched another movie called Judgment Day There's <laughs> plenty out
1: there <laughs> uh, So I stopped watching that one And flipped over to the iced tea one um, So this one uh, We find out that there's a Giant asteroid That's going to end up hitting the earth uh, It starts out With like a small uh, No that Wait that was the other one Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so this one starts out with, uh, I lost this already. Yeah. With Mario van Peebles doing like this sermon over like TV or something. And it's like super zoomed in. So it's like a nineties TV. So, okay. you know, it's that weird. Like I want to say pixelated cause that's not the right word, but just very, uh, grainy type of picture. Um, so then, uh, yeah, we find out that there's going to be an asteroid that's coming to hit Earth. Um, I think there's like a, a small one that hits like a some tiny little town or something, but it's basically like nothing. Uh, so, of course, our government, the U.S. government, is like, well, we need to figure out how to uh, take care of this. Um, for some reason, uh, we start focusing on this like uh, professor from this college, and apparently he is some bigwig, I don't even remember his title, but uh, then it turns out that Mario Van Peebles' little uh, church guy shows up, and him and his two little thuggies like, kidnap this professor, and everybody's like, what? why do they do that? So the government gets this FBI lady and tells her, we need to find this guy within the next four days. And we want you to do it. And she's like, well, why can't we just tell everybody, like, get all hands on deck? And, you know, typical, like, oh, we can't do that. It'll be mass panic, blah, blah, blah. So she's put in charge of finding this scientist for whatever reason. And they basically tell her, like, look, this is imperative. You have to find this guy where he's being held and if you uh if you don't within four days then like you know don't worry about it because the world will be over but they tell her like like any means necessary and she says any means and they say any any means necessary you do whatever you need to do to find this guy so then cuts to Ice tea sitting in jail and we have a flashback and it turns out that um Mario Van Peebles his little religion is more of like a doomsday cult. And we're told like some story at some point in this movie that he was almost having like a Waco type standoff with police. Okay. And they had a bunch of people like held hostage or something. Or I I don't remember the exact like situation. Rather than negotiating, uh, Mario Van Biel's character just went and assassinated Everybody, all of the hostages And we find out That Ice-T's wife was one of them And I'm trying to This is what happens when you watch One and a half movie with the same name Trying to remember like Why he was in prison, he was in prison for like 12 years and I don't remember why But whatever But his what he wants to do is do his time, get out, and then basically find Mario Van Peebles and kill him for killing his wife. Okay. Uh, So this chick shows up and she's like, "Well, I tell you what. uh, How about instead of waiting, you get out of jail now. You come with me. We got to find like the scientist guy that they've kidnapped. And I tell you what, uh, during uh, the whole situation." Uh, if Mario Van Peebles should happen to be killed, uh, I'll just say I didn't see nothing. And I, he's like, okay, that's a deal. So then he comes out and basically they need to figure out where the scientist is being held. We find out later, this scientist has created some sort of, uh, machine, some, I don't know, some, some sciencey space machine that, uh, they're going to send up into space to intercept this asteroid. But of course he's the only scientist that knows how the, the exact, like, uh, uh, what the fuck would you call it? Like equation to, that would safely like do, you know, basically he's the only one who knows how this thing works for plot purposes. So we, they need to go find him so he can tell them how to, how to run it and then destroy the asteroid and save the world. But this Doomsday Cult has kidnapped him because they don't want the world... They don't want him to save it. He thinks the world should end. And it's all God's plan and, like, all that. Whatever. Uh, I should also mention Tiny Lister as part of this Doomsday Cult. Okay. Uh, and him and Ice Tear Listed as producers. Yeah, Zeus from the Uh So... <laughs> Basically, the rest of the movie, which I'm just like, oh, Ice T's gonna go up into space, he's gonna be like Bruce Willis, he's gonna blow this asteroid up. Yeah, we spend like five seconds up in space, and it's all like automated stuff like the machine. So it's literally just this FBI lady and Ice T wandering around talking to his old uh criminal contacts to figure out where this uh preacher where I've had people's preacher guy has gone underground, like where they're at and where they would be hiding the scientist. And so it's him just go, just going interacting with these people, having some sort of like ice T S hilarious exchange where he, he needs information. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he punches them in the nose and breaks his nose. And they're like, man, you broke my nose. And then he grabs it and he's like, yeah, I'll break it again. Tell me what I need. Like type situation. Um, All right. And, of course, they eventually end up finding the scientist guy. He basically tells them over the phone the coordinates they need, and then they blow up the asteroid and the world is saved. Spoiler alert. Uh Overall, I'm going to say not bad. Like, it was kind of fun like just watching, watching Ice-T go around and just sort of, like, you know, shake people down for information was fun. But the rest of it is ridiculous and dumb. I
2: was gonna say it didn't sound good when you were describing it. I was just kind of like, I don't. I'm kind of glad I couldn't find this movie. <laughs> like it's like one of those ones that had like way too much going on, and you're just like, just be an action movie.
1: Just yeah, pretty
2: calm much. Calm everything down. Be an action movie.
1: Um, like I said, the only thing you would want to watch is Ice Tea going around to shake people down because that's fun. The rest of it's horrible. I don't know how the the filmmakers of Armageddon didn't sue these people. Or at least Deep Impact. One of the two. Um,
2: well, yeah. Maybe they just just didn't want
1: to be associated with it. <laughs>
2: like, nah. Don't sue them. Then everyone will know that this movie is kind of like our movie.
1: Pretty much. Um, I don't yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to recommend it, but like I said, the iced tea stuff is kind of fun, but I don't know if that's enough to warrant telling somebody to go see it. If you're in the States, it's on Amazon Prime, so you can make up your own mind. But Yeah,
2: you just got to flip to the iced tea
1: scenes. (laughs) Yeah. Make sure you watch the one with iced tea in. Or maybe the other one. Maybe I should have stuck with the other one. Maybe that would have been a better better choice.
2: It sounded better, but I don't know. You're the one with
1: that's all one and a half of the movies. So.
2: <laughs> you're, you're the one that's in a position to, uh,
1: well, the other one seemed a like, come, I think,
2: I guess,
1: like it showed like a priest in like South America, you know, coming out of his church or whatever. And he's smiling and saying hello to all the village people. And then a, uh, uh a small asteroid comes and just blows up the entire town. And that's when the, Everybody there then starts like, oh, shit, there's a giant asteroid coming. It's got little pieces that have been breaking off and it's blowing up towns or whatever. And then it seems like the whole rest of the movie was just a lot of bureaucracy of how they're going to figure out how how to get rid of this asteroid. So that's why half an hour in, I was like, where the fuck is (laughs) Ice-T?
2: Like, there's... Ice-T would... He wouldn't stand for this bureaucracy. Exactly. He'd be punching people by now.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like uh, uh, there's only one one out of three recommends for, for a movie called Judgment Day.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're, it's not great odds if you're looking for a movie called Judgment Day, but... <laughs> If anybody has seen Judgment Day from 93 or 2013 or 24, like, there's a lot out there. You know, call in. Let us know what you thought of any movie called that.
1: <laughs>
2: don't um, do not do the Terminator 2 thing.
1: Yeah. And I should... Oh, I should mention also. Okay, so I'm scrolling through Amazon Prime. And this one, the cover art shows, like, a, I think it's, like, a, I don't know if it's the Golden Gate Bridge or... Uh, The Brooklyn Bridge, like I can't really tell, it's just a bridge, and like it's part of it's like busted in half and stuff. And and then it says Judgment Day at the top. Uh, and this is this is the first one I watched. So then I hit play, and then the title card comes up and it says Quantum Apocalypse.
2: Oh, that's always a good
1: sign. (laughs) It's like, wait, what?
2: Always a good sign. When you're picking a movie to watch, what you do is you find out which one has the most titles, and that's always a sign of quality. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know why they keep thinking they can hide movies behind changing the name, but they keep trying.
1: (laughs) You play better under this name.
2: Yeah. It's Judgment Day. Somebody will be accidentally watching it while trying to watch one of the other ones.
1: Alright, did you watch anything since last week? Uh, I
2: probably did. Seems like something I would do. Watch a couple things, but it's
1: going to be probably a super quick rundown.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to look up what I watched because I'm supposed to keep better track, but I don't. Uh,
1: Have you been watching Dark Side of the Ring?
2: I have been, yeah. Want to talk about that first? I was going to bring it up, but if you want to talk about it, first we can do that. So, are you fully caught up?
1: Fully caught up. Okay. Watched the newest one Me yesterday, too. and it was fascinating.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. The thing, about, yeah. So that was the the David mm-hmm. Schultz one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that one's really interesting because I kind of remember it because I watched Twenty Twenty when I was a kid for some reason.
1: <laughs> I remember watching I remember watching it because my grandparents watched it. Yeah.
2: So I I remember seeing
1: John Stossel getting slapped, but I don't remember much around that.
2: Yeah. And so, like, that's the thing. I don't remember all the incident and all that. And, like, when they started playing the promos of, you know, Dr. D, I'm like, okay, he's... I remember this guy existing, but I don't really remember him. So he must have been gone by the time I was old enough to, you know, remember everything. And it turns out, yeah, that's basically true.
1: Yeah, I didn't start watching wrestling until I was about 10. So I had never even heard of this guy. So when they're showing like his promos and stuff, I'm just like, oh my God, like this guy for the 80s. I'm like, this guy's promos are fantastic. Like this, he should have been like the most monster heel they had. And yeah, yeah, I absolutely knew nothing about him. It's super weird that it, like, like, he just
2: went away. And it's all that, like, everybody had, like, a different story for it, which was strange. Mm -hmm. Like, I found that very odd. Uh, Like, like that the instance involving him and, like, Mr. T, which is already a good story because Mr. T's in it. Mm -hmm. They're like, it seems very strange that nobody seems to know what happened at this very public event. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, are they just trying? To, were they just trying to get rid of the guy or whatever? It's yeah. also weird though, because like, it was like eighty three or eighty five or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and like they were still exposing wrestling as being fake, and police were still being called because of stuff that happened in wrestling promos. <laughs> and it's like, it's all very strange to me that that late, people were still buying it. Like yeah. adults were still buying it.
1: Yeah, they showed them well they showed part of the twenty twenty, yeah, the investigation where they're asking people at wrestling events if it's real. And and what did they say, like a third of the people were still saying it was or something like that?
2: Yeah. I find that very, very strange.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't get it at all. Like again, like these were adults. Yeah. I understand kids get you know, they can suspend their disbelief a little easier, but mm-hmm. So, what did you think about all the other... We maybe hit some of the other ones. Did you watch the Dino Bravo one?
1: I did, and I remember... I remember Dino Bravo a little bit. Um, We had, like, a mom-and-pop video store in town when I was growing up. And sometimes they would just sell some of their old tapes. And they, they had two WrestleMania tapes that they were selling. And it was the one with Hogan versus The Ultimate Warrior. And... The other one okay. with Hogan, six. yeah, and then the one with Hogan versus uh, Sergeant Slaughter when he was the Iraqi sympathizer.
2: Yeah, that was right. WrestleMania Seven,
1: and I remember Dino Bravo is like on one of those tapes because I didn't really know who he was before that, so I'd watch this. I'm like, okay, Dino Bravo. And then it seems like since, like, over the years, I heard, like, that he had been shot or something. But I didn't really know anything about it. And so then we watched this, and it turns out, like, oh, yeah, he got out of wrestling, couldn't make money. So he ended up working for the mob. And it's like, wait, what? And, yeah, you find <laughs> out he was, like, a knee-breaker for the mob. And it's like, that's... Fu-.
2: It's super weird to me, too, because I, like, I did know who Dino Bravo was as a kid. Like, he was never my favorite wrestler or anything, but I always knew who he was. And I always knew he was from Quebec and stuff, mm-hmm. and like all the stuff they're talking about in that show with like the uh, the natives smuggling cigarettes and stuff, mm-hmm. that was all like really popular in the news back then. Like that was that made the news like every night because you'd mm-hmm. occasionally have like you know cops trying to arrest them when they came off the reserves or you know, Border Patrol trying to stop him from making from the Canada to the States and all this stuff. And it's not too far from him. so I I'm shocked that I didn't know Dino Bravo was involved in it all. <laughs> like it's one of those weird things where I'm like, how am I just finding this out now? And I'm like as soon as I saw the title of the episode it was like The Assassination of Dino Bravo on him do you know bravo got like i just i honestly kind of assumed he was just like an old man living in montreal somewhere like sitting in bars telling old wrestling stories i never really thought about it though <laughs> and it's like oh I, I had no idea that he'd become like a mob enforcer and had been like murdered it's super <laughs> weird i felt like terrible for his family because they're all like yeah he was such a nice old man and then they just all of a sudden he's dead I'm like that's fucked up
1: yeah Yeah, and when they describe, like, the scene and stuff, it's like... apparently he was sitting in, like, his uh, recliner got shot four times in the chest and three times in the head.
2: Something like that, yeah.
1: But he was still, like, holding his remote in his hand. So, I mean, it was literally, like, just out of nowhere.
2: It sounds like something straight out of, like, the mob movie where they send the guy you trust to kill you. So, Mm. like, that's just, like... That's what would have happened in, like, a Scorsese film. Like, you would have gone, like, what? You're not going to do anything to me. And then the guy's just like, and he's like, oh, no, Johnny, don't shoot. And then he just does it or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's it's fucking weird.
1: Yeah. That was crazy.
2: But for me, the the craziest episode of this whole thing was the new Jack one. (laughs) Because...
1: As soon as like, I saw they I, were I, doing I, a New Jack episode, I'm like, oh my god, New Jack is fucking crazy.
2: Like, I'd, I'd heard that and I knew about the mass transit incident, yeah. which is like kind of rough, but when he just starts openly admitting to attempted murder, like in an interview, <laughs> and I'm like, because like I'd seen the footage of him throwing that other guy off of the, uh,
1: yeah. the scaffolding
2: thing and stuff, and like, I didn't just assumed it was a botch, right? And I'm like, that looks terrible. But I just assumed they were they fucked, they missed their move, right? Well, but then he's like, no, I, guess no, no, it, like I, I guess
1: it was a botch because New Jack's trying to throw him cat- on the other side of the ring.
2: <laughs> he was trying to murder a human being, and he openly admits this on camera. And you're like, yeah. I like, he's like, yeah, I brought a stun guy, a, a stun thing up there. I didn't tell him I was going to do that so that when he was stunned I could easily like fucking throw him and I'm like you can't say shit like that you just openly admitted to attempted murder yeah how are you not in jail and then like that incident with him stabbing the guy down like where Florida or wherever it was
3: mm-hmm.
2: I'm just like no like you know I, I think I forget who it was like maybe it was Cornette that just was just like yeah like the difference between wrestling and like is the wrestling is what you do that both guys agree to mm. but if you don't stab a guy that hasn't agreed to be stabbed like that's not okay you can't do that like i mean i don't <laughs> imagine most guys would agree to be stabbed but yeah i do not understand how new Jackson's in jail like
1: uh, i have no i idea just don't either. get
2: it like how do you watch that and not think that's a criminal like that he's laughing about attempting to kill people he's like yeah I really wanted to kill him and I hit him with like a a stun gun and I'm like you can't do that like again if that were a gimmick fine like you both agree to it but you can't that's not like within the confines of what you would do in wrestling I don't think
1: No. the funny thing is like these are stories but like they don't even need like the reenactments because everything is just blatantly on camera like they just show you the footage and it's like yeah here's what happened he didn't try to hide it he didn't try to deny it like nope just did it out in the open for everybody
2: yeah and it's like it's so weird because it it seems to escalate Like, Mm -hmm. like you go back to like the mass transit incident which is when he was still in ECW and you're like okay that's a fucked up situation, but it does feel like wrestling to some extent, right? Like it does feel like a wrestling match that got out of hand. Hmm. By the time he's stabbing a guy in a gym with 40 people in it in Florida, you're just like, there's no call for this whatsoever. Yeah. This This is just, this is just, you are a psychopath and that's it. And I just, I still, I don't understand how like, like, we jokingly were talking about how Dr. D had the cops called on him for, like, using a shotgun in one of his promos. And it's, like, this guy doesn't get the cops called on him for stabbing a guy on camera and then laughing about it in a documentary. Yeah. That's I so messed up.
1: I don't understand. Like, I've never, like, even the stuff I didn't, like, I already knew before this. Um, like, I'm just like, how is this guy not in prison? And then they show me all this new yeah. stuff, and I'm just like, what the fuck how is this guy really not in prison yeah,
2: I, I just like because it again if he's speaking publicly and admitting to it just pl- play that tape in court here's the part mm-hmm. where he admitted to attempted murder here's the part where he admitted to stabbing a guy and laughed about it you know you don't really need much more testimony than that it's public knowledge uh, it blew my mind it really did
1: yeah, Amanda was watching this with me, too, and she was flabbergasted. I'm just like, yeah, this is why, like, nobody outside of ECW would touch him. It.
2: It's also super weird that, like, D. Brown and him work together, because D. Brown is one of those guys that fascinates me. I'm, like, mm-hmm. never understood how that guy got famous.
1: <laughs>
2: just the definition of mediocrity. And somehow he was, like, all of a sudden a superstar.
1: Oh, man, National domination.
2: Yeah. Background guy in Nation of Domination. That's about the level he should have gotten to. The guy that had to stand behind Farouk and the Rock while they argued.
1: Yeah, that's what he was best at. Huh? So I guess speaking of him, they talked they talk to him too during the Brawl for All episode. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the most like ridiculous concept ever.
2: Even oh, at the time, it was, was like, a stupid, stupid idea. Stupid. Like, at the time, yeah like even wrestling fans at the time are like well you shouldn't let them punch each other they're gonna get really hurt and then they're like oh you can't put him in there with a boxer he's gonna get really hurt yeah there he is he's really hurt like what that was just a dumb idea from the Mm get-go i i I don't understand
1: (laughs) yeah i remember that and amanda was watching that one too and i'm like oh yeah, watch how he's about to get punished for knocking out the guy that they wanted to win the Brawl for All. Then yeah, Yeah. let's put him in with with fucking Butterbean. It's like, Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah. No, it was like, you can't put a professional fighter in a ring with a guy who's not a professional fighter. You just can't do that. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how that's... And it's weird too, because this would have been after wrestling was... Everybody knew it was not not a sport, and it was not being licensed as a sport, which means you can't do shit like this. And it's not a sport, right? You can't just have a sport in the middle of your not a sport. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that should have to be sanctioned. Yeah. Uh, again, why was wasn't anybody charged with something for that? Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's it's a weird fucking industry. <laughs> I will say, like, I found, like, the Brawl for All episode is probably, like, the least, um, like, there was no real controversy in it. It's like, this is a stupid idea. Everybody knows it. There you go. That's it. That's, we're done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Alright, well, what else did you watch?
2: Oh, yeah. Right, we're not just here to talk about wrestling from <laughs> back in the day. Um, let's see. I'm a bit behind the times, but I finally watched uh, The Ritual from 2018. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's super good. Um, yeah. So for people who don't know, it's basically a group of uh, it's, it's a group of friends hiking through the woods in Sweden, and they stumble across weird shit. Um, it turns out to be like a little town worshiping something god thing with people. Um, I mean, that's your your very short plot, but it works out. It's like the first half feels very Blair Witchian.
3: Mm-hmm. it's
2: not fan footage it's like they're like hiking through the wood find weird shit and they start to turn on each other and they're arguing over who to go where and stuff and then when you get that first night where they're all like, like in this cottage thing that they find and they're like fuck it we'll sleep in here cause we're lost and they all wake up and there's they're all fucked up in different ways like one guy has like marks on him the other guy is like in one of the bedrooms of the cottage naked praying to like some statue you know the guy wets himself and you're just like god damn like it's creepy and it's weird yeah. and it turns into like what I would say is like a, a non-art host version of uh, Midsummer, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago it's just like it's super messed up all the stuff that's happening and they
1: insert just the right amount of gore into things I had a great time with this movie. Yeah, I remember really liking it. Yeah, I think
2: you've recommended it to me a long time ago. And I just took forever to get to it because that's how it goes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember really liking it. Yeah, the stuff in the cabin. I just remember sitting there watching it going, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is like creepy ass shit. Yeah. Then you get to the end and there's like a, there's a creature of some sort. And then you look at that and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, the right? creature it's thing fantastic. is like, it's a fucking, it's like a giant moose with hands that come out of its face. It's fucking weird, but it works. They do a really good job of keeping it in the background. Mm-hmm. And all the people that are like, worshiping it are creepy and weird. Just just creepy and weird enough so that when our townsfolk, when our like main characters meet these townsfolk, they're like, they you can tell something's off right away. That's yeah, I think they did a really good job of it, so really glad I watched that. Yeah, uh, and then uh, I had a day where I got into a mar- Marvel kind of mood, and you know, I've been doing the uh, rewatch of the universe, so I won't get into detail on all of them because I'm sure we've talked about all these movies before, but <laughs> Guardians then Age of Ultron, then Ant-Man all in one day to finish off phase two. Oh yeah. Um, The Guardians is super fun. Uh, I I think it's just the cast really works well together and everything.
1: I still think it's my favorite uh, one of, of pretty much the entire
2: Marvel series so so far. Yeah. I think it's, it's probably the best one of that type. Now there's, there's the two types. There's that and then there's the, Captain America movies. Yeah. Um, and I think they, they are sort of two different style of filmmaking. And that's my one kind of complaint about guardians is that it was so popular that Marvel has leaned heavily into that style. Yeah. Which is a little bit frustrating for me. Cause like, I've said my favorite are the, are the, you know, winter soldier and civil mm. war are kind of my favorites. So yeah, it
1: was, it, it was kind of like as much as I love Guardians of the Galaxy and I really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok I do feel like towards the end of everything leading up to Endgame and stuff that it all became really samey yeah like like the whole point before was like we're going to tell all kinds of different stories like Winter Soldier is going to be like a political thriller Guardians is more of like a fun space opera and then you know Thor will be a fantasy movie and like all this stuff, but then, and I don't know if they were, I mean, I guess time will tell. I don't know if they were doing it just because they felt they needed to unify everything leading up to like the big, the big, you know, point that they were going to. But everything yeah. started to feel like very, very much the same, which was, I thought was kind of disappointing and hoping they kind of go back to just telling. A bunch of different types of stories
2: Yeah, I, and, I, and I hope they will uh, I don't know it, it remains to be seen mm-hmm. But uh, So then, like What are your thoughts on Age of Ultron? Because for me this is a movie that gets shit on a lot And I don't really understand why everyone Really genuinely seems to dislike it
1: I like um, Yeah, I'm not Like a huge fan of it um, I feel like just feel like maybe it doesn't, at least in my opinion, advance the story a lot. Even though there is that section where, uh, what was it? Tony has like that weird vision of what's going on. And then basically that's sort of the point to kind of send everybody off into their own movies again afterwards. Like Thor yeah. sees like, uh, Asgard, yes. like in, you know, destroyed or whatever and Tony sees everybody dead and like Captain America's shield cut in half all that stuff but yeah I don't know the the actual Ultron thing just didn't do anything for me
2: yeah I agree that the Ultron storyline is kind of yeah it's kind of washed over and I think the movie suffers like from Spider-Man 3 syndrome where it's like the director has stuff he wants to do, and the studio has stuff they want done, and then they're still trying yeah. to fit it into this universe. And they're trying to, like, like, they send Hulk off at the end, and it's like, well, I don't know if they knew whether he was coming back kind of thing at the time. I don't think they knew what the plan was necessarily. So they're just like, he flew away. And then, you know, well, it's sort like, of weird how at the end...
1: I feel like Go some ahead. of that was, like, mandated that we have to send Thor off on his own thing and Hulk on to his own thing because we got civil war coming up. And those two are just too powerful to be like in this confrontation of heroes. Yeah. So we have to find a way that. in this movie to get them out of the picture so that we can do civil war without.
2: Yeah. Them. And, and that's, it's... I mean, it's the right move. It's just, it feels very calculated in this. Oh, definitely. It that's, feels yeah, like that's a yeah. big problem.
1: Yeah. yeah and just so too so much wrong. going on. I mean, yeah, you got, okay. You got Ultron, uh, you got the inter- introduction of vision and then you got the introduction of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Then as we yeah. mentioned, like we have to set up how we're sending all the characters off to, to do their own sequels. Like after this movie, that will then set up everything coming into uh, infinity war. And so I figure that I feel like there was just so much that they had to do in that movie that it just didn't work.
2: yeah I, I, and again, I, I agree it's overstuffed, but I think it's I think the action is fun. I think the performances are good. I like I think I like the performance of Ultron, even if I think the storyline falls a bit flat and mm-hmm. kind of falls into the background. Um, the one thing that bugs me about it is it ends with them setting up like the new Avengers team Yeah. and we never get to see that Avengers team do anything
1: because <laughs> yeah.
2: by the time they're assembling into a team again, they're the old Avengers back. Mm-hmm. That always seems strange to me. It's like, why did you set up this new Avengers team at the end of the movie? If you weren't, didn't have a plan for using that team in something, mm-hmm. but I guess
1: and they, really and they all m- also missed the perfect opportunity to have the, one of the best Stanley cameos ever, which uh, somebody brought up uh, afterwards. And it's like, God damn it, that should have been the cameo because they have this big contest about lifting Thor's hammer throughout like a party scene. yeah, And yeah, everybody know. said that Stanley should have had a post-credit scene where he's like the butler, like cleaning up Tony's... Uh, I don't even know oh, what that was.
2: you're was, right.
1: And then, like, he just, like, picks up the hammer and then, like, cleans underneath of it and sets it down with no problem and then just continues on his way. And I'm just like, God mm-hmm. damn it. That would have been the perfect Stanley cameo. Son of a bitch.
2: Yeah. Oh, it would have been great. It's too bad. Oh, that's a real missed opportunity. Yeah. Because that's a they do like again, it's Joss Weed writing it too. So, like, a lot of that dialogue is pretty funny when they're all sitting there, like, mm. being all macho, trying to see who can lift the hammer. And then when vision lifts it, they're like talking about, well, you know, you put the hammer in an elevator, the elevator still goes up and down. But, I mean, the elevator's worthy. I mean, he's a robot, it's <laughs> not a human. You can't really count that. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty funny stuff, and I do like it. Yeah. Um, but you know. It's it's. I think there's a lot of individually good things going on. Like, there's just too many things stuffed into one movie.
1: Yeah, like when so. we got before Age of Ultron and we got like the post credit scene of I don't even remember which movie it was leading up to that where we see like was it Baron Strucker or whatever, whoever the Nazi guy was and we see them like, oh, we've created you know, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. shit, like, this is going to be, like, pretty awesome. Like, it's going to be them versus Hydra type, like, on another level. And then we get there, and that's, like, the first five minutes of the movie, and then that's just over with. <laughs> I'm
2: like, oh, yeah, I wanted but I more feel like, of that. I feel like that's the part that Joss Whedon wanted in the movie, and then mm-hmm. the Ultron part was kind of forced on him. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and then again, like Vision, that whole Vision story of how they create him and everything, it feels like it could just be a whole movie, and it's just like yeah. in the background happening. And all of a sudden, he's just there for the fight. And then they're like, here's an infinity stone for your head. And he's like, all right, now I can shoot lasers. Cool. Yeah.
1: But, yeah,
3: too much going you know, on. Again,
2: like that, uh, that final action sequence when they're in the town, and there's a million robots, and they're all fighting, and the town is being yeah. lifted up, and it's going to be drawn. Like that's a neat idea, and it's well-executed.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: just, you know, I, you... I, I guess part of it is to I am mean, it. What's that? Right.
1: I was going to say, do you remember that summer when we knew we were going to get two Quicksilvers in two different Marvel universes? And when they so... revealed how the one from X-Men looked, and I was like, that looks like straight-up garbage. And then they showed the Avengers one, and I'm like, "Well, his costume's not great, but I mean, you know, they'll figure out, they'll figure, they'll figure out how how to how to really use him. And then, weirdly enough, it turns out X Men got it right. And Avengers, I feel like completely wasted Quicksilver in, in their version of the movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was kind of underutilized, and yeah. he was all right. There's nothing really wrong with him, but what's a. Yeah, it, I remember that being though everyone was like how can he be in both and what are they going to do and, and then everyone talking about it, like how can these twins be in here if they don't have Magneto and it's like oh they just invented them oh okay there's just like a one line of dialogue they <laughs> you know, like, just not knew their parents were to be easier
1: it's really funny because now they can do that but have they already wasted it so
2: yeah well and I feel that way with Marvel sometimes like Anything that they don't lean into heavy enough, I always feel like, oh, shit, they missed that. Because I feel pretty strongly about the Planet Hulk thing not getting its own movie. Mm. I like that. To do that as a background story in another movie was unfortunate. I understand logistically why it had to happen. But I'm Mm. just like,
1: oh. Isn't there something where they can't make an actual Hulk movie, but they can use the character?
2: Basically, yeah. Yeah,
1: because something with their... Contract with Paramount or something.
2: Yeah, there is talk of them renegotiating that, so they'll be able to do some more stand-alone-y type Hulk stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, at the, at some point, they're just going to buy up all the other studios <laughs> to get their characters back. It's not Pretty really, much. you know, because there is like I, apparently, like the talk is that there is rumors of them using Hulk to introduce Wolverine and stuff like that. So if any of that could possibly be true that'd be great but we'll see that'd be fun yeah and then Ant-Man is just an Ant-Man I don't know it's a another one of those movies that's like like I think they figured out around this time that it's like you don't want to end your phase with a a giant movie that leaves people hanging a little too much you want to give them a little taste of something after so they're just like here's a cute little movie But a guy like literally the end fight is them throwing thomas the tank engine at each other (laughs) and it's just paul rudd so damn charming that it's impossible not to like him so
1: oh my god i love i love paul rudd so much
2: he's just he it's weird because when they announced that he was going to be a superhero you're like that's stupid and then the minute he shows up on screen you're like yep this is right this is correct like this is a guy that can get away with like he's a thief in the movie and you're not bothered by it at all just because he's charming enough to get away with stuff like that and it's like alright you guys did it congratulations it's like yeah but he was was mainly
1: just mainly just robbing rich people and that's okay
2: yeah yeah he was (laughs) fighting for the rights of the poor or some (laughs) such shit (laughs) and how he's helping the original ant-man take his technology back from the guy that took it yeah
1: yeah that movie works way better than it really should it really
2: does um like michael douglas is really good in it which i never would have thought i'd be saying about a superhero movie either (laughs) like it's i don't know i just i it's not there's nothing spectacular about it but it's just fun the whole time to watch
1: yeah it. and just all the side gags like you mentioned with thomas the tank engine like that was fantastic yeah. <laughs> you see someone with just thomas the tank engine like rearing down upon them like oh my god this looks so terrifying shit like that uh, like, they do
2: the perfect amount of cutting back and showing how ridiculous this would look to somebody else who was in the room <laughs> <laughs> they just they nail it or they're yeah. just like
1: yeah, especially that scene where Thomas is just coming at him and you just see this giant face it's he's just like, oh my god! And then, yeah, cut to like regular size and you just see Thomas just like tip over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so fun.
1: I, and plus it's got Michael Peña in it. Yeah, so he's hilarious. And everybody has said if they ever do like a well, we need to recap what's happened so far in the Marvel Universe that they need to get him just to recap it at the beginning of the movie for everybody.
2: Yeah. That's... Th- that's a gamble. Letting that guy, who's really again who doesn't really belong in a superhero movie, and just giving him the amount of screen time he gets and letting him go like that—just ballsy.
1: God damn it! Now I want to rewatch Ant Man.
2: Just rewatch it. You have Disney Plus; it's on there.
1: Oh yeah, plus I own it. So I mean, oh yeah, okay. I was, I was at the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm just buying every Marvel movie because I just want the whole universe. And then around Captain Marvel time, I was like, ah. Oh. But Disney Plus is coming, and they're all going to be on there. So maybe I should just not buy them all.
2: Yeah. Well, I originally, like, way back in, like, Phase 1, I didn't buy it, which would have been, like, DVDs at that point. Yeah. I didn't buy Like, I want to buy when, like, a box set comes out. Mm-hmm. You remember, like, there was something where they released a box set, but then there was some weird, like, copyright law that they broke and they had to, like, pull it? Yeah. Do you remember any of that? I don't remember all the... The details, but I remember thinking, like, well, now I can't get the box sets, so now what do I do? Go buy the movies individually, like, and then it became a whole thing. And then when Disney Plus got announced, I'm just like, oh, I'll just use the money to get Disney Plus instead of buy
1: all these movies. Yeah, you know, they released the uh, the briefcase that had them all in, and apparently they copied the Samsonite design, and Samsonite sued them for product something or another.
2: How do you- briefcases look the same
1: yeah but I think this was specifically like one from the movie like the metal one that they carried the tesseract around in and I think that was a Samsonite design that they probably licensed for the movie or whatever but they didn't didn't really bother to check if they could do that as like a prop that they could sell yeah I don't know it's fucking Disney it seems like you would just be like here's like a billion dollars leave us alone
2: so do you remember when like was it one of the hangover movies the guy gets the Mike Tyson tattoo on his face oh, and yeah. the like tattoo artists sued the company so then in like the re-releases of it they had to like digitally alter the tattoo <laughs> and it's like that seems like something where you just give that guy like how much do tattoo artists make Give that guy 100 grand like mm-hmm. it's probably what he makes in two years and just yeah. Everybody would be happy right? And like give him a hundred grand and put his name in the credits like how hard is that
1: yeah I don't know it's like does I Mike don't Tyson understand have to pay this. that guy for all of his public appearances does he have to pay the tattoo artist or I don't, I don't know I assume,
2: I assume once it's on your own face you're allowed to use it I don't know because <laughs> if you watch the Mike Tyson Mysteries cartoon I think he has it on that Yeah. So, but maybe they negotiated something about that
1: who knows? Or, or, or the weird, word's weird. Or
2: it's just different enough that you, you don't think... Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. um, Only other thing I watched, uh, which I just finished watching right before we recorded, is a movie called The Captive from 2014. Ever heard of it? It's a Canadian movie, so you might not have. No. No? So, uh... You know me, I like to talk about all the fun movies And then just really nail you guys With the the nice happy-go-lucky one at the end So this is an Adam McGowan film About uh, It's about a family In uh, They basically Their kid is kidnapped And it's like eight years later And the husband and wife have divorced And They are not Still haven't really been able to move on properly from it And now all of a sudden there starts to be signs that the kid is you know, alive and being held somewhere. Still at this point, and we, uh, they're kind of like they're basically contacted by the cops. Like, like we think we found a picture of her on the internet and all this kind of stuff. Uh, first half of the movie is kind of told in these sort of flashback, flash-forward style, where you're seeing their life, you know, up into the kidnapping, and then you're seeing like the Sort of immediate aftermath, but then we're cutting to present day as well. Um, really good movie, really intense, um, outstanding cast. Like Ryan Reynolds plays the dad, Rosario Dawson is like the head investigator for the police, Scott Speedman is like her partner, Kevin Durant is one of the kidnapper guys. Like, which that name might not ring a bell, but trust me, if you saw his face, you'd know who I mean. <laughs> um, just Oh, I really well put rainers, together. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just a really well put together movie. Relatively simple plot. Lots of kind of just tense moments of just like the, the mom yelling. And then it, towards the second half it gets into more of almost action movie type stuff. Not quite because it's still an Adam McGowan movie so everything still moves at like a really slow deliberate pace. But we find out that the uh, the kidnappers have actually been like monitoring the mom for all these years and showing her to the daughter as a way to keep the daughter on board because they're using the daughter for very nefarious purposes um and stuff like that and it's just creepy and weird and i, I don't know a lot of a lot of unexpected twists in the plot you get like i say you get sort of the ancient movie stuff towards the end like you would expect but it's not kind of the over the top You know, nobody like Ryan Reynolds decides he's gonna find his own daughter, but he doesn't doesn't turn into John Rambo and like go hunt everybody down. He just sort of gets lucky and stumbles across a couple things, and it's 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 hard to describe without getting into every little detail. But I really liked it, and it's shot in Niagara Falls, Canada, in the winter, which is just a neat setting for a movie because it's a kind of a picturesque touristy town but then everything's just covered in snow and you spend a lot of time out in like you know outside of the town limits where everything just feels like you're in the middle of nowhere even though you're right close to major cities kind of a neat environment for a movie like this so it's it's a big recommend not exactly a happy-go-lucky kind of movie but (laughs) if you want to watch ryan reynolds daughter get kidnapped and uh i guess minors. Spoiler, the kidnappers, as she gets older, they use her to help lure new kids that they're trying to kidnap over the internet, Uh, which is sort of creepy and weird and scary and upsetting, but, uh, you know, it it makes for good film, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, that one's a, a, you know, I recommend if you're in the mood for that kind of movie. Yeah. It's... It's just it's that kind of movie. <laughs> it's like I say. It seems to be every week. I like to I like to get you excited with the Marvel movies, and then be like, "Oh yeah!" And also, I watch this terrible terrible thing that's going to make everyone sad.
1: <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it for me. All
1: right.
2: Have you got some more things you watched?
1: Uh, I got a couple. Um, so if you remember, I watched Child's Play two a couple weeks ago. So I'm like, well, time to watch Child's Play three, and okay. I remember not enjoying it, and I think I'm gonna remember still not enjoying it because I, I was not super it
2: Oh, I see. I like it. Yeah, I've seen it in a bit.
1: I just think I don't like the military school setting. I'm just kind of like, what? Like, what's the purpose of setting it in a military school? It's like,
2: like a different spot. It, I guess. <laughs> They just have to put it in a different spot every time. That's all. That was the, that was the theory, I think. It is a weird thing, too, because it's like some of those kids clearly don't belong in a uh, in a military school. Like that little kid that's actually playing with Chucky all the time. Like that kid and How can you have that kid in a military school? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so then I was doing some reading on it and found that uh, this came out like nine months after Child's Play 2. Okay. Because they, uh, you know, before they were even done with Child's Play 2, they were just like, "We we need a third one. And so Don Mancini, who wrote it, who's, you know, been sort of the main guy throughout the entire Child's Play series and Chucky series, he's like, I just didn't have any ideas, so I just, what if he, what if he's military school and it's like five years later basically where it came from and i'm like yeah so he's apparently this is uh, he's not very happy with this movie and i could see why i wasn't really happy with it either it's just i don't know I was not a fan I Was not a fan when i originally saw it and still not really a fan now so
2: see i don't know i i enjoy it because it's just a cheesy slasher sequel yeah i it's one of one of my favorite movies in cinema history is when they're all like out in that field and they're trying to chase Chucky and then they just look over the hill and there's just an amusement park there. And you're like, all right, let's have the climax in an amusement park. That seems like a good idea for a slasher movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous because they haven't mentioned the amusement park, like up until that point, but yeah. it's, uh, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. But then uh, also, uh, I, don't like I don't know. I say, I, I guess I don't know if I'm, if I'm going forward with, uh, Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. I may give Bride of Chucky a rewatch just because I have not seen that probably since it came out. Um, at the time, I was not a fan of the the more comedic route they were going with the movies, so yeah. Maybe I rewatch that one. I know I hated Seed when I saw it, so I have no no interest in going back to watch that one.
2: Yeah, I'm basically the same way on those. So I was very hesitant because of the tonal shift. And I think bride works,
1: but see, I don't, I don't even want to watch it. Um, so after that on Friday, it was the return of Joe Bob Briggs and the last drive-in. Um, yeah, I missed the first double cause they always do a double feature. I missed the first movie, but caught like the last, like maybe 20 minutes and they did, uh, okay shopping mall so when i'm in the mood to watch shopping mall next i need to watch the joe bob briggs version because uh, apparently they had, right. Uh, didn't
2: watch it right away.
1: yeah well my wife was not really interested in watching it so i didn't get a chance to like start it from the beginning and then they don't go up in full on demand until the next day so um, by that point i had other stuff that i was doing so uh but I caught the last twenty minutes and I mean they had Kelly Maroney on talking about it. So I need to go back and watch it. Uh but the second movie they were doing The second movie they were doing was Bloodsucking Freaks and Chris Jericho was co hosting and I'm just like, uh, oh, Bloodsucking Freaks like I don't want to watch Bloodsucking Freaks because I already know I don't enjoy it. Um but for people who may not have seen it. Um, if you take uh, the, the magician guy from uh, Wizard of Gore and then turn okay. him into, like, a weird—well, uh, actually not that much different, but if you take him where he is sort of um, brainwashing people and basically getting them into, like, this weird sex cult so it's all women— um and he keeps them like sort of chained up in his in his the basement of his apartment building or whatever uh it's <laughs> when he does the drive-in totals apparently there's 76 breasts in this movie and that's not an exaggeration <laughs> the entire basement is just Us. full of naked women <laughs> um and then him and his little cohorts just do weird odd things to him and then eventually someone tries to come and stop him. And then, you know, shit goes crazy. And then the crazy ladies get let out and they basically grab the guy and tear him apart like the the, the evil guy. And the movie ends with all these naked women dancing around eating his body parts. So, um, but it's not, it's not great. I already knew I wasn't a fan, but figured I would watch because Chris Jericho was co-hosting. And I know since I interviewed him years upon years ago and asked him his favorite horror movie scene, and he told me it was from Blood Freaks. I'm like, well, of course they're doing Blood Sucking Freaks. Um, so I figured it would be interesting to sit and watch him talk about how he loves this movie and why he loves it. And then uh, since you were, because you were a wrestling fan back when he was in WCW, weren't you? Yeah. Um, well, a little piece of trivia is that I sort of already knew. Is there is a uh, little person in this movie, and he's a demented, like, he's sort of like the the Igor to uh, this guy, such as Igor would be to Doctor Frankenstein. Um, But his name from the movie is Ralphus, which is where he got the name of his personal security guard in WCW, the big fat guy that wore the white t-shirt, yeah. Yeah, he just used the name Ralphus from this movie So That's funny. So it was, yeah, it was interesting just listening to Jericho talk about it, but I would not recommend this movie. I was looking at the Facebook group, the the Joe Bob Briggs Mutant Society or whatever the Facebook group is (laughs) while it was going on, and people were just like, what the fuck is this movie? I'm just like, yeah, it's not good.
2: Yeah, I don't. I've never seen it. I don't think I've ever had any interest. I, and it doesn't sound like you described any freaks sucking blood. So I feel like I'd be let uh,
1: down. There's one scene that sort of, I guess that's where the title comes from, where this doctor comes. And basically this, the, the main bad guy's name is Sardu. And so this doctor shows up to, you know, take care of the women or whatever that are trapped in this guy's basement. And basically, Sardu just lets this doctor do whatever he wants so he can just do weird experiments and whatever. And he drills a hole in this lady's head and sticks a straw in and tries to drink it like a Slurpee. Okay. And I think that's where the blood-sucking-freaks thing comes from.
2: I guess. I guess I was mistaken,
1: though. (laughs) So uh, maybe if you wanted to just fast-forward and watch all the Chris Jericho stuff and maybe skip, skip the movie.
2: <laughs> I like that. I like the idea that you're in it for the commentary but not for the actual yeah. film.
1: Yeah, while I was watching it, I was like, when the movie would come on, I'd get on my phone and I kept telling myself, I'm like, you know, I should just turn it off here and then, like, tomorrow when it goes up into the on-demand section, I'll just fast-forward through the movie and listen to all the Chris Jericho stuff. then, like, by the time... I was actually getting ready to do it. I'm like, oh, this is almost over, so I might as well just just wait for the next two segments and then be done with it um and so when that was over, I decided well, I only saw one Joe Bob episode tonight, and there's still one episode of the Halloween Hoot nanny that he did back in October where he did he did the original Halloween. Halloween four and then Halloween five. So I was like, I haven't watched Halloween five yet. So maybe I'm still in the mood for some Joe Bob. So maybe I'll watch Halloween five. And I haven't seen Halloween five in forever, but I always remembered that I really liked Halloween four and thought There was some weird parts of Halloween five, but overall enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, kind of lumped them together as they were sort of meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. So rewatch Halloween Five. Holy shit, Halloween Five is not good. No. I'm not gonna say it's Halloween Six bad, but it's it's not good.
2: It's just fucking weird, and it's like the, there's not a lot of like good kills to it. Mm. Danielle Harris is still really good in it.
1: Yeah. Um. So listening to Joe Bob talk about how this is the worst of the franchise and stuff v- between between segments it was a lot of fun and he's just like going on and on and on about how much he hates this movie and stuff and like that the director that was hired apparently Deborah Hill saw some film he made because he's Swedish saw some filming okay. he made and recommended him to uh, Mustafa Khan. like oh you should get this guy to do the next Halloween movie and so he brought him in and the first thing this director did he's got some weird like Super long, like, three-title three, three title name. So I'm not even going to try to look it up and pronounce it. Um, he, uh, first thing he did when he came in, he's like, yeah, the script you have? And he walked over and just threw it right in the garbage. He's like, this movie is garbage. I, I like, I want to bring in a writer and completely rewrite the entire thing. And he apparently turned in some weird, uh, weird script that Mustafa Kad had to be like, no, 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 no. So they had to do this weird compromise. And as you could tell, that obviously didn't work out. And apparently, from what I've read, is like they weren't even, didn't even have a full script when they started shooting. And then the man in black stuff was added on at the end of the production shoot by Mustafa Akkad just so they would have something maybe to leave it on a cliffhanger for the next movie, even though they had no clue what this was going to be. Like, I don't know, there's some guy in black, and he's going to bust them out of jail, and then, uh... Hey, we'll figure that out in the next movie. And it's like That does oh kind of God. explain
2: it.
1: Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's not good. It's not, no. again, it's not as bad as Six, probably, but...
1: Yeah.
2: Oh. No. Because um, Four the, is a, just a fun slasher movie, right? So yeah. you think, just make another one of those. Just... Mm. No he's not really dead and he's back And you just do it again Mm. What's the problem
1: Uh, So I listened to Shockwaves which I know You have listened to in the past Or maybe still do Uh, And they've talked before about a book Called Taking Shape that this guy wrote And it's all about uh, The Halloween series And it kind of goes movie by movie and kind of breaks down How the, the Movies were made and Stuff during production, just all the stuff leading up to it, leading after it, just kind of gives an overview of the creation of each movie, which I thought sounded awesome. And then after watching Halloween 5 with Joe Bob, I'm like, you know, I should pick that up, uh, give it a read. So I bought it on uh, Kindle, started reading it, find out that it's not as in-depth as I had hoped it was going to be. I thought they were going to go movie by movie, and it would be like, super in-depth on how each movie was made. Uh, it's A lot of it's just kind of an overview, and then they do get into some stories that happened while it was being made or afterwards or whatever. Um, so it is informational. It's just I had hoped it was going to be a little bit more uh, in-depth, but whatever. Um, but I just got up to Halloween 5, and they were talking about just how much of a mess it was which pretty much uh, reiterates everything Joe Bob said on the show. Uh, but then they were talking about Halloween four and how uh, they held like open submissions pretty much. Cause um, Mustafa Akkad didn't know what to do with the series after part three, since part three did not do very well. And so these guys just pitched the idea for Halloween four and then hired them and then they wrote a script and, you know, Kind of, kind of went from there, and they talked to the screenwriter. And he says basically he uh, he wanted to get back to closer to the first movie than sort of what they had done. Like, because the second one came out, it was you know that's when uh, uh like the Friday Thirteenth style horror slasher stuff was happening. So of course they added that into Halloween two to be more in line with what was going on. So this guy wanted to go back a little bit more, towards the original, and uh, so that's why they kind of, kind of molded it around that idea. And I think that's why it, it's Ford's actually pretty good and is a decent slasher movie. And then five went the complete opposite way, and this guy's complete lunatic and has nothing good to say about the movie and just all this stuff. It's such a bad movie. You know? I,
2: just, I just don't understand. Like, like four worked when just I don't know why. Yeah. I guess it seems so strange to me that you wouldn't just be like, yeah, just whoever made fours, like, do it, do that
1: again for us, please. And here's the same paycheck as before. Or just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the idea was that they were going to move forward with Jamie being evil. Of course, as they set up at the end of the movie. And this guy just threw all that shit out the window and was like, "Nah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Michael Myers again, but not as good." So I don't know. Oh. So I'm about to hit part six in the book, and I'm really curious to read that whole fiasco, to see what the fuck happened while they were making this movie. Yeah. He also wrote a uh, a book called Slash of the Titans, which is about getting uh, Freddy vs. Jason made. It kind of goes over Just okay. like All the versions Of Freddy versus Jason That was supposed to happen Leading up to when It finally actually did No oh, I picked that up too I'm gonna have to give that A read next
2: I think if you get into Some of the Early scripts For that movie It's super fun To read about
1: mm. Yeah And then I think His next book Is supposed to be About all the Halloween movies That were almost made Which Might be an interesting Read as well
2: Yeah It's, it's fun to read About movies that Kind of almost got made and see what the good ideas were and what the bad ideas were Mm -hmm. well that's obviously the podcast you turned me on to Uh, best films never made is really good at that
1: yeah yeah their stuff's really good I still have all the Mario Brothers episodes to listen to I
2: don't know if I want to get through those there's like (laughs) five of them I'm like I don't know any of the stories so I'm like I don't understand how they got there
1: I know right it's just like Jesus Christ like we know of the one that they made but how in the fuck is there five episodes worth Oh, I guess it looks like four episodes worth of stories about what they were going to do with Mario Brothers But who knows?
2: that's actually how I i think that's how I ended up watching The Ritual I think I heard the director of that movie on that podcast if I'm remembering correctly he had a, a pitch for a Friday the 13th movie to follow up the remake yeah which actually ended up, like, I remember it sounded really good.
0: Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
1: All right, well, what are we doing next week, Doug? Uh,
2: next week, let's see, so uh, uh, I was chatting with a listener, and they wanted to hear about shark movies. So we started looking for shark yeah. movies to uh, to put on the list, and uh, we fucked it up. <laughs> so we are doing some Jaws rip-offs, but they have no sharks in them. We're gonna cover uh, Orca, the killer whale, and tentacles, both from '77, both Jaws ripoffs, both giant sea animals that are not sharks.
1: (laughs) So yeah, killer whale and a giant
2: octopus. Yeah, I think the killer whale does kill a shark.
1: Oh well, Well, we'll
2: find it. I do not know if it's a squid or an octopus. I've never seen Tentacles.
1: <laughs> we're going to find out.
2: Yeah. So.
1: yeah. You can't tell us that you want us to do something, because we'll find a way to to do it, but still not actually do it.
2: Yeah, we're not, we're not good at this at all. <laughs> the funny thing is we have this list of, like, dozens of movies that we're preparing to cover, and then we're going to do these two that are not on the list. Yeah. <laughs> because... Yeah. You know, it was so important for us to get to shark movies that we decided to watch these non-shark movies.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, I decided we'd do some shark movies. I'm like, you want to do Orca and Tentacles? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe Tentacle... Maybe the monster in Tentacles eats a shark. We don't know. Very well could. If you sub-theme.
1: It will be interesting to see if there's a weird connection between these two movies.
2: Well, I mean, they're this same year it's nowhere near a coincidence they came out two years after Jaws exactly um, it's approximately long enough to write a script and film a movie after Jaws both of these came out so <laughs>
1: um, so have you heard the kerfuffle about uh, AMC and now apparently Regal is not going to play Universal movies anymore I'm
2: Seeing headlines and trying not to get too involved in it because it seems like it's giant corporations fighting like little children.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, do you believe that these two major theater companies are not going to show movies like Fast and the Furious Nine in the next Halloween movie? Uh,
2: it seems far fetched. But yeah. there might be some loophole in there where they're like, well, those weren't produced by Universal. They're just. Distributed by Universal or something Who knows. I think they can get away with stuff like that I don't, I don't know.
1: know I just feel like they gotta back down <laughs> Cause like it's like well, you don't it, want a share of that Fast and the Furious money Like look I don't watch the Fast and Furious movies But I understand they make a shit ton of money For some reason so Why would you not show them
2: Yeah I don't really It seems like the movie industry Or the theater industry Is gonna have a hell of a time Mm -hmm. post quarantine people are getting pretty comfortable in their homes and i don't know how many people are going out to theaters even myself i'll not be hesitant to go right away Um, i will eventually go back to movies because i love movies but it it seems like they're not gonna have the option of picking and choosing what they get to do now the other side of that is going to be if there's a backlog of movies coming out and you can Dedicate that space to something else. Maybe mm. maybe that does give them an option to kind of stand in the ground a little longer.
1: Yeah. I guess that I could be know. a possibility. I don't
2: know. We'll see.
1: Yeah. I think it's the quarantine I had, I this. the quarantine basically showed the movie companies that like, oh, we can just put trolls two on VOD and apparently that made like two times more money than the first troll did in its theatrical run. So they're like, oh yeah, well fuck them We'll just do that and take all the profits
2: Yeah, I just, I still find, like, I don't know Personally, like, I don't generally run, like, new release movies I I wait for them to come to the streaming services Or I see them, like But I'll still pay to see it's movie in theaters Because I feel like I'm getting something more from it By getting to go somewhere and do it Mm -hmm. But I guess I'm not normal anymore, so (laughs) Doesn't really matter Yeah, Like, when I saw, like, The Invisible Man was make was being charged like 15 bucks to see it at home i'm like i can't imagine doing that 15 like you know
1: it was 20 20 when i looked at it, it was 20 was, that was to okay. rent it and i'm like what like look invisible man you probably would have had me i probably would have bought it for 20 bucks but i'm not renting it for 20 dollars fuck that
2: yeah that's the strange thing to me it's just i don't but i guess there's a whole new generation below us that are the target market now and it doesn't really matter what us old people think. No. It's a happy note and things on for the week. <laughs> if you're at least as old as at least you're at least as old as us, then guess what? You don't matter anymore.
1: So <laughs> theaters are dying. Young young people don't care. Get fucking so, used to it.
2: There'll be uh, there'll be some articles about how millennial killed the movie theater industry coming up soon? Because we seem to hold it against young people if any industry goes under. That's our new policy in the world. Pretty much. I think it's it's sort of hilarious. Like it's not it's weird how uh, you used to think like oh the customer's always right and now we've got to if the customer doesn't go to this business and spend their money then they're destroying right. the livelihood of these poor businessmen. I'm not sure when that switch happened.
1: It's like, yeah, millennials aren't going to Applebee's. It's destroying stuff. And I'm like, maybe Applebee's just isn't good. I uh, I don't go to Applebee's either.
2: Maybe Applebee's should update their menu to get some avocado toast on there and appeal to a new market.
1: (laughs) Yes, I would like the Applebee's avocado toast. Oh, that just sounds gross.
2: Yeah, there's no good there's no good way around that i mean i don't, I don't want to go to applebee's and i don't want avocado toast so for me it's perfect because i, I could avoid it
3: easily please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater
0: and now folks it's time to say good night